We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to the Dynasty Command Center podcast. This is the first episode of the year 2020. I'm your host, Curtis Patrick, and I'm joined by Travis May. This podcast today is being brought to you by Untuck It, the original button-down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. We're going to talk about our top 24 players for Dynasty Startup Draft in 2020 and how we value the very tippy-top of rookies in this class. Should be a lot of fun. I can't really wait to get into all the rookie stuff and We'll be talking about that, I'm sure, for the next, uh, you know, four months or so. So, uh, but it's good to just talk about the, the top names and, and we'll dive into it. But I think this year, well, every year, it's it's this just the time of year where it's hard to really gauge, you know, values on these top dynasty assets, the best players in the game. And I, I think there's really a lot of disagreement when, when we get into... Well, how do you value a Juju Smith-Schuster who just kind of had a, a down season versus a Chris Godwin who just exploded? Uh, you know, even even guys that are still still arcing upward like DJ Moore. And then what what does it look like to to rank Derrick Henry right now? I mean, <laughs> right. Over, I mean, he's just been on fire. So I think getting into that and seeing where we, um, you know, looking ahead beyond just right now in the playoffs and all the hype surrounding the players like the Derrick Henrys like the Aaron Jones is uh, just really help you guys hopefully uh, sift through those top tiers so that you can find some value in trades and really uh, just value if you guys are having startup drafts early. Cause I know I, every year I, I almost, almost get roped into a draft in January, which not super a uh, fan of uh, at all, but uh, have you ever done one like that, Curtis, uh, where it's like January draft and people are, you know, trying to convince you to, uh, to just, go blind without any knowledge of the rookies and all that yeah actually my my favorite dynasty league that 
that I play in to this day. We did our startup in December. Um, I think it was actually after week 15 or, or <laughs> at, right after week 16 or something. And we, and we still draft the rookies, uh, before the NFL draft in oh, that league. Right. It's not, you actually, it's not a, de- yeah, it's not a Devi league. Yeah. Um, but right. we do draft the rookies before the NFL draft. I think it's a great exercise. And, uh, yeah, I always feel very prepared because, you know, um, you know, in our time working together, whether it was at, at DLF back in the day or, hmm. you know, most recently with DCC and, and now, of course, with Rotoviz, I mean, we're always on these rookies early. You know, you, you're on these guys, um, as Devi assets basically from the time, you know, they entered, entered the college arena. And so I always feel really prepared and I love doing startups at this time of year because I think knowing how to value the rookie picks in a class, not just what order are these players in for a dedicated rookie draft, but knowing how to value these picks as opposed to established dynasty assets, players that are already in the NFL. That is, there's so much leverage in that. You know, a friend of the podcast, Brian Malone talked about this so much. And I learned a lot from him um, over the years that, you know, you know, really, it doesn't matter what the format is, what year it is. People always undervalue rookie picks, especially if there's no player name attached to it, but they undervalue those rookie picks in a startup draft that they can be selected. And so, I, I, Travis, what we're going to try to do today, we're going we're gonna to spend the first half of the episode, we're going to run down my my uh, recently updated top 24 for, for 2020 startups. This will speak to your concern about making sure people understand where we see you know these blue chip values and the guys that are in the league, but I'm going to slot in how I would value these rookie picks within the top 24. How many of these rookie picks would I actually value in the in the first two rounds of a startup? And then in the second half of the episode, we're going to run your top 24, same exercise with your rookie picks. And I think we'll have a real full picture of, I mean, how many players do, are we actually agreeing on in the top 24? And, you know, are we viewing and valuing, um, you know, these rookie picks in 2020, you know, a- appropriately. And so, um, I'm just going to go ahead and kick it off. I mean, my, my 101, uh, probably shouldn't be a surprise to, to anyone, um, who's not brand new to fantasy football, uh, as <laughs> of listening to this podcast, but it is Christian McCaffrey. Um, yes, he is no uh, a little older than, than Saquon Barkley, but, um, you know, I don't think that CMC is slowing down anytime soon. You know, I think we can expect elite production for probably two more years, uh, before we worry about some fall off. And even then the type of player he is with all the receiving work, you know, I think he's the type of guy that can have an extended career, even after some of that, um, backfield carry share, uh, were to, were to tail off. And just, you know, the reason that he's above Saquon, you know, I, I I'm assuming, I'm assuming some order of CMC and Saquon, that, that's got to be almost a consensus top two. Yeah. And, and we'll see what you've got to say when you get your chance. But I mean, CMC, he was, he was a top 12, uh, fantasy producer in all but two games in 2019. I mean, just absolutely ridiculous yeah. uh, production he had in, in, in all of his games where he was a fantasy RB1, he actually scored more than 21.7 PPR. In, in, just in 14 so games. <laughs> yeah, it really, it really is so nasty. And, and I'm just going to move on because, um, I don't think we need to justify that ranking anymore, but I do, I will say I have Christian McCaffrey in a tier unto himself. You know, he's a, he's a slight tier above my next two players. And it's just because, I mean, the degree by which he lapped the field in production this year, if you were going to move him, 
um, you have to get, you know, three Kings ransoms to move him. And I, and I think that, you know, he separated himself in that way. So my next, uh, little tier is Saquon Barkley and Michael Thomas, um, two young players who can continue to produce for a number of years. Michael Thomas answered the question, can he produce without Drew Brees? I think that was the biggest thing. You know, maybe holding him down from being an across the board, uh, overall wide receiver one entering the season. Of course, he played, I think it was five games off the top of my head with Teddy Bridgewater this season, um, actually did not really skip a beat whatsoever. Um, just continued to, to produce. Uh, and, and when you're a route runner like he is and um, just a, a complete technician, I mean, he's basically uncoverable. He's a volume receiver. He also stacks up the yards, um, ha- had uh, plenty of touchdowns this season um, to really boost that score as well. Saquon, you know, I think Saquon, um, had I seen more efficiency and scoring in the red uh red zone this year um and if that production would have come with it he probably could have put himself in that uh high tier with McCaffrey we probably could have made some excuses for him you know with the poor coaching and you know with the quarterback transition and all that but again you know McCaffrey didn't suffer through a Kyle Allen season and so you know I I think that's some justification for for Saquon uh being at, at two and three there you know, anything that you'd want to chime in without giving your own ranks away on Saquon or MT? No, I think the the top players like that, I mean, you're really, I mean, even though there's a tear break there for you, I'm sure it's like, an, it's not this monumental gap either. Like, so like, that's not, that's not really always the player that you're trying to necessarily upgrade on. Like that's, that's the absolute um, cornerstone of your roster. And so I, I, in many cases, you're not necessarily trying to move all, all those guys, but if you understand that they're probably in a tier of their own or uh, in that range that uh, you're probably just going to have to play or <laughs> just pray that the, the owner lets you, uh, like you said, get him for three Kings ransoms because it's going to be hard to get any of those guys. But yeah, when you look at just the game by game efficiency, for Christian McCaffrey compared to, you know, the entirety of the NFL, it's just absurd. I mean, he averaged like, what, eight, eight more points per game in PPR than any other running back in the field. It's just you could just basically give him a free touchdown every single week. So uh, that's just kind of nasty. So I, I can't wait to see him uh, continue to dominate. I really hope he does. Uh, just stays healthy. Uh, it, it, this is probably going to be old news by the time. Uh, you know, th- this actually gets out, but Luke Keekley, it looks like uh, he's actually retiring. So it's just, you know, you never really know um, if somebody's going to be able to stay healthy. And with running backs, there's always a worry that somebody can't stay healthy. I mean, with Keekley, he's had all the concussions and everything. And um, so it's it's a bit understandable uh, that he would re- retire kind of early. But uh, uh, let's just hope that hope and pray that both these guys stay healthy. Yeah, absolutely, man. All right. Well, okay. So I've got my first two tiers. I got CMC, Barkley, and Thomas. My next tier is a lot bigger. Um, and I, this is a value spot in the first round of drafts. I think you're getting elite players who have, uh, league winning upside, um, in any of the next couple of seasons. Um, some slight question marks about each one, you know, as compared maybe to the the three in front of them, or maybe there's just an age tiebreaker that I've built in there. Um, but we've got DeAndre Hopkins at four and Devontae Adams five, um, followed by Ezekiel Elliott, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, and Tyreek Hill. Uh, you know, I think all these guys, I, I'm very, very happy to build a team um, around any of them, probably myself would be shying away uh, from the backs in this range in favor 
uh, of one of the the wide receivers. If I if I can't if I can't get myself into the the very early spot of a dynasty startup and get the CMC or Barkley pick, you know, I, I might favor one of these receivers and then and then try to stack up a couple running backs or rookie picks. Um, and and I'll review that you know a little bit further down in the next tier. I've got at number 10 overall and wide receiver five for me. That's my, my man, DJ Moore, <laughs> um, had the breakout, uh, um, that, you know, so many were projecting, uh, myself included. Um, you know, he, he actually kept the, uh, the, the three and 10 rule cohort, uh, perfect. The age 21 wide receivers, um, breaking out, uh, with a 200 point season. Uh, he, he did that easily. And, uh, he actually will increase the percentage of of these receivers who went on to be wide receiver ones in their age twenty two season their, in their second season. So can't wait to update that article and that research. But DJ uh, at the top of this tier, followed by Juju. You mentioned him, you know earlier. Um, George Kittle at twelve. Um, I really do feel like the age difference between he and Kelsey um, puts Kittle in, in kind of a spot where. You know, maybe where we were valuing, valuing Rob Gronkowski about three or four years ago, uh, where he was just such an elite difference. Um, Kelsey, I think, can continue to produce for another couple of years. But I mean, we're talking about a guy I think will turn 32 next season. You know, Kittle's got a, a number of years uh, on him there and, and looks to really be the focal point of the 49ers offense. And then I've got Nick Chubb, Chris Godwin, and Mike Evans in this tier. So we're about 15 deep. This is another big tier. Uh, anything you'd want to draw attention to there? Anything you, you disagree with or we'll find in a different tier for you later? No, I, I think it's just a lot of people are going to struggle having George Kittle. You have him at 12 and having a, a tight end that early, I think, w- without it being necessarily uh, tight end premium league, I think a lot of people that, that, that don't really play in those formats might be a little confused by that. But if you're trying to build a centerpiece and just have a major positional advantage, I I get that, but especially in tight end premium, that's where I would probably have Kittle in that range, especially when he has four or five years more uh, potentially than, than Travis Kelsey has left in the tank. But I mean, you can't argue that at the same time, like Travis Kelsey, if you can get him around or around and a half later, um, that that's a ridiculous value still because he's been what tied in one, tied in one, tied in one, and tied in one for four years. So uh, that's 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 okay. <laughs> yeah, but let, uh, let's hope and, and let's possibly believe that that's going to be Kittle. And I think if you're ranking him here, I think that that's your expectation, right? Yeah, I think he's he's going to rack up plenty of of tight end one and tight end two overall seasons over the next handful of years. And uh, I, I love that that he does it. Not just on volume of receptions, but he's a guy that stacks up the yardage, and we know yeah. that that is stickier year over year. Uh, I feel a little safer with him than you know a guy that we hesitated to move up our ranks over the past several years was a guy like Zach Ertz, who oh, a little yeah. more uh, reliant on the actual receptions maybe than the yards that were were go uh, going with him there. Well, uh, the next tier is is where things really get interesting in startups, and before we talk about that tier. Um, want to throw it back uh, to a word from our sponsors. Uh, have you ever seen an untucked button down? They look bad. And, and why? It's because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Well, thankfully, there's Untuck It. It's the original button down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. Doesn't matter your shape or your size. Untuck It shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. 
With more than 50 fit combinations, untucked shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. And Travis, you were telling me, you know, as a Nashvilleian, uh, you see this uh, all over the music industry. Oh yeah, I mean I, that's basically just part of the uniform here in town. Whether I mean whether you're trying to fit in down to Broadway with with your untucked flannel or you're working on on Music Row and publishing like like me, I mean it's just an untucked shirt with the maybe with a jacket, maybe with a hipster looking shoe, whatever your your style is. An untucked shirt is just basically what Nashville is. <laughs> Well, there's definitely nothing wrong uh, kind of with that that rock star vibe. But even <laughs> if that's not you, you know, Untuck has got a, a wide variety available. They've got wrinkle-free button-down shirts. They've got super soft flannels. I like the the big red and black buffalo check flannel. That's like one of my oh, yeah. staple looks. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, my better half always uh, <laughs> loves that look on me as well. So I keep going back to it. They've also got outerwear and more uh, with untuck it your shirts are never going to look baggy bulgy too long or too big ever again and their website's super easy to use they even got a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit so whether you're shopping for the perfect gift or just trying to craft a smart relaxed style of your own untuck it it's the way to go visit untuckit.com and use code blue for 20 percent off at checkout that's untuckit.com u-n-t-u-c-k it.com and promo code blue that's b-l-u-e for 20 percent at checkoff okay well mike evans was my 15th ranked player for dynasty startups in 2020 number 16 that's where i've got my rookie 101 value travis and, and i've got rookie 102 there as well um I'm going to say the names of the players just to, for illustration purposes. But what the more important takeaway here is that we're valuing these picks more highly than we did in 2019 startups. You know, that class, you know, I think people, you know, famously were, were fading for a lot of reasons. Um, we liked some of those players. Um, you know, and, and we still believe in some of those players, uh, but neither of us even had the rookie 101 in our top 30 last year. Uh, in the initial rankings, I've got my 101 and my 102 both inside the top 17. Uh, my 101 currently is Jonathan Taylor with DeAndre Swift at 102. Um, we're not here to debate to debate that right now. It just speaks to the quality of, of prospect that I think uh, each of those guys are, and, and for slightly different reasons than each other as well. Uh, the other two guys I've got in this tier are also backs: um, Leonard Fournette, who totally unlocked his ceiling. Um, by adding all that receiving work um, this year and staying healthy, especially relative to uh, his seasons earlier in his career. And then the beast, man, Derrick Henry. Um, have always loved this guy. Uh, have encouraged uh, Dynasty Command Center users uh, uh, aggressively to buy him um, before the 2018 season and then again before the 2019 season. A lot of, a lot of titles won uh, by our guys uh, who had him available for their playoffs. You know, I, 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 some people might have some problems with with 19 even maybe being low, which is crazy to think about uh, when you talk about Derrick Henry because it took the community so long to warm up to him. But I still I just have questions about him being able to duplicate this type of production next season when we still haven't seen that receiving upside unlocked. I think he can do it. Um, so it's not a question of whether he can do it. It's just the team still hasn't given that to him, even though they lean on him so heavily. 
And, you know, I just don't know that another 400 touch season next year, which is probably where he ends up this year when the playoffs are all said and done. If he has another touch share like that, another workload like that, and it doesn't include more receiving yards uh, and receptions, I'm going to have questions about his upside. Um, I'm sure you're going to have plenty to say about Henry when you get your chance to run your top 24. I'm going to go ahead and finish my, I'm going to finish mine off because I'm almost finish done out, here. Man. You got and it. Then, and then I want to throw it back over to you. So, and, and my final tier. So this would be tier one, two, three, four, five, tier six. So the sixth tier in the top 24. Uh, that starts with rookie 103, uh, followed by Cooper Cup, AJ Brown, Joe Mixon, and the rookie 104. And again, you know, tiers. You can mix and match these guys, and I probably wouldn't, you know, have a strong argument. I'm valuing these people similarly, not moving them, you know, and, and straight up trades for one another. Um, and so, if you wanted to have the the rookie picks down at the bottom of your top 24, fine with me. You know, if if you love Joe Mixon and say, how can you have him below your rookie 103? You know, like, like I'm not, I'm not going to waste breath in an argument with you on that. Um, uh, but yeah, those are those guys. And, and, and the one that I'll draw attention to here just a little bit, um, to highlight, you know, using the Rotoviz NFL stat explorer, uh, is, is Cooper Cup. And Travis, one of our podcasts we did before the end of the season, we, we both had Cooper Cup, uh, as a fringe dynasty wide receiver one at that time. And, and what he ended up doing, uh, at the end of the year was he finished his PPR wide receiver four. For the season, he threw up 270 PPR. Uh, he was 10th in expected points. Um, so he had a he had wide receiver one role, but he actually outperformed expectation. 44 points, uh, PPR points over expectation. He's, he has had at least 26 fantasy points over expectation all three seasons of his career, which is even crazier to think about when considering that in 2018, he only played half a season. Then in half a season, he threw up 35.8 fantasy points over expectation. And if you actually look at the half year he played in 2018 and the full year he played in, in 2019, he's paced at the same degree of production really since the beginning of 2018. He threw up 135 PPR and half a year in 2018, 270 this year. Um, that math works out pretty well. Um, you can, you know, that, that's, that's math my son second grade can do. Top 24 weeks. He had five in 2018 out of eight games, seven this year, top 12 weeks, three last year, five this year. Um, I, I tweeted out a, uh, a pick on my timeline at C Patrick NFL comparing and contrasting Cooper Cup to Odell Beckham Jr. and asking people to argue, you know, who's the better dynasty investment at this point? It, crazy to think about maybe a year, year and a half ago having that argument, but at this point in time, Cooper Cup's been a better fantasy player for the last two seasons, you know, when healthy and he's younger and he's the one that hasn't changed teams, still playing for the same coach, you know, came into the league for same quarterback. He came into the league for, I think it's a fair argument. You know, I, I think probably plenty of people disagree with me, but I, I feel pretty justified in having Cooper cup as a back end wide receiver one in dynasty at age 26. I think he's going to slide in there and be, you know, and I'm not saying it because the guy is white, but it's, you know, this type of receiver, this high volume, um, chain moving receiver with touchdown upside. I mean, Julian Edelman and Wes Welker before him, it's this type of player that, that can really excel. And, but I don't think ever really finds their, 
the appropriate dynasty value. And I'm just, you know, maybe trying to, by putting him higher up in this tier and set at 24, putting him at 21, maybe proving my point and how much I believe in him as an investment. So um, there you have it. Just in summary, I've got four rookies or four rookie picks, however you want to look at this, in my top 24. So Travis, let's hear what you've got. Yeah, so my my top tier, I already kind of talked about this earlier, but Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley are uh, alone up there for me at the top two. I've got a slight drop-off there, and then Dalvin Cook and Michael Thomas make up my uh, my tier two. And Michael Thomas, I, I can't remember what the stat was uh, when you were comparing, um, I think, uh, him with and without Drew Brees this year. I think you were talking about how there's really not a massive difference uh, between his production with or without oh, Drew Brees. Oh, yeah. Right? Keep, keep, keep talking for a second. I'll pull that up in the game splits app. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll come I back mean, to it. Like, And even if there is some kind of major drop-off for Michael Thomas, like he averaged about five more points per game than any other wide receiver. And outside of that, I mean, it was Chris Godwin. And then there was another two, like point or two-point gap uh, getting to the next wide receiver, wide receiver three in terms of uh, points per game. So Michael Thomas, he he could drop off almost a touchdown and he would still yeah. be right in there, smack dab in the middle of the wide receiver one conversation. So, I, I mean, no one has done what he's done for, as far as receptions go. And I think he's a quarterback's friend. I don't, I don't think he's limited to just success with only Drew Brees. Yeah, I think he's a lot more than a quarterback's friend. I mean, he's yeah. like – Quarterback sees Michael Thomas. I mean, it's 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 pants off season. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably way more accurate. <laughs> but I I uh, I pulled this up uh, these numbers using the Rotoviz Game Splits app. It's one of our. I mean, we got. We, I tweeted this out earlier today, Travis. We have twenty nine NFL tools on the site now. Twenty nine. Twenty. This is tools. one of. Yeah. This is. <laughs> yeah. No big deal. This is. This is one of the best. Uh, it's easy to use. The the graphic cards that spit out are amazing. Uh, but I just entered in Michael Thomas. I entered in a few statistical measures I wanted to see, you know, PPR points, uh, receptions, touchdowns, targets, yards. And then you can split production over any time period by players who, who also played or did not play. And so I'm going to get a split for Michael Thomas in, in the 2019 season with and without Drew Brees. So... Okay, I'm going to tell you what he scored with Drew Brees, and then I want you to guess what he scored without him. Okay, so he played 11 games with Drew Brees, and he he averaged 23.59 PPR with Drew Brees. That's a that's a 377 PPR pace. So, what do you think he averaged in the five Teddy Bridgewater games? Uh, twenty. You know, twenty twenty three. 23. What? He, he, yeah. <laughs> he, he was 23.59 with Breeze, and he was 23.02 with Teddy B. Uh, there was not an appreciable difference in touchdown production. It's not like that was artificially propped up. You know, he averaged 0.55 TDs a game with Breeze, 0.6 with Bridgewater. Negligible difference. Um, actually, a, a few fewer targets, a target and a half fewer with Teddy, uh, but he, he had about four more yards per game. Uh, with Teddy paced for 1700 yards with either quarterback. I think that's what's truly remarkable. And so, you know, we're gushing about Thomas, kind of gushing about the game splits app here too. Great for this type of exercise. But yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's why Thomas deserves to be the, the undisputed wide receiver one and dynasty. Glad to see we agree on that. Yeah. And I think it's just, 
there's not a whole lot to talk about besides that uh, with him. I think he's just kind of in his own tier for now, even with Drew Brees departing. And really, Drew Brees has not necessarily been the Drew Brees uh, that we've you know known as the the Hall of Famer in in, in recent uh, at least the past couple of years in terms of him pushing it downfield and things like that. So. I'm not worried about it, and clearly uh, it sounds like we shouldn't – neither of us should really be too worried about it. But my next tier, I've got three more wide receivers. I've got DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, and Tyreek Hill. Uh, Not too crazy to put all of them up there. Obviously, Mm -hmm. uh, Tyreek Hill kind of feels like the forgotten man just because of how his season went uh, to begin. And then, again, it felt like it was just interrupted. Uh, and he felt like he was kind of recovering, but he had that five week stretch where he had at least 14.1 PPR fantasy points every single week. He was a wide receiver one, three out of the three out of the five weeks where he was healthy before he kind of was gone again. So really excited to, to see him come back and, and just do his thing as a wide receiver one consistently for a long time. Uh, it, it's we're really quick to forget when players don't absolutely just ball out constantly for 17 weeks in a row. Uh, just how amazing he can be. He's still a top tier uh, wide receiver. I, I haven't seen many people talk about him that much, but I'm not worried at, at all about his uh, dynasty value. Uh, and then I've got another tier break there. Uh, tier four here. I've got Alvin Kamara, Kamara, whatever you want to say. <laughs> Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, we've got Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and I, I'm still keeping Juju Smith-Schuster up there. Obviously, I'm just going to kind of, you got to kind of have to almost right off this year, just based on how this went for uh, the Steelers and uh, and Juju as, as a whole, you know, missing weeks, having to deal with bad quarterback play and consistent quarterback play. And uh, given what we've seen him do already, I mean, he's already got a 300 fantasy point season under his belt. And I think he's already, well, I, I think he's still got to be what, 15 years old. He's like super young. So I think he's, uh, <laughs> uh, he's got some years ahead of him. So I'm not really worried at all. I think people just overreact to that, uh, that one downish year and forget uh, that they're going to bounce right back. I mean, I think about DeAndre Hopkins just from a few years back, but you know, when he was dealing with bad quarterbacks, he kind of was falling down the dynasty ranks and now he's where is he? he's top five for top at least top mm. eight for everybody again and i think that's exactly where juju could find himself again in the wide receiver one overall conversation once it gets any amount of decent quarterback play uh, and then after that i've got a dj Moore heading up tier five almost put him up in in one more tier but he hasn't quite broke broken through uh, the glass ceiling, I guess, with with what I think his, is his potential. Uh, but I'm also kind of worried that he doesn't necessarily hit that if there's questions at the quarterback position, if they shift any amount of targets anymore to uh, Curtis Samuel. But I mean, when you look at his target load and, and really his fantasy points in terms of what's expected, he still has a, a lot of room to grow. Like he was 78th this season uh, at the position in fantasy points over expectation. And that's just because he never really found the end zone. I mean, he's got two incredible seasons uh, under his belt already, uh, but he just can't find uh, the end zone. I mean, he had 135 targets and only scored four times. Like that's, that's not normal. So if he does find any positive uh, healthy touchdown regression in his favor, um, I, I like him to uh, jump up into the next tier this year. Cause I, and if you've listened to this podcast at all, you know, I, I do love him quite a bit, but the name after him that's probably going to uh, confuse people maybe uh, is Aaron Jones. I have him 
at 14th overall. Uh, and I think we forever take, we just take forever to adjust to what we've seen a player do in many cases. Uh, because I mean, we, we see, oh, he's that mid to late round pick. Oh, he's just going to get replaced in the, in the next draft. And there's always Jamal Williams or whatever, but it, it didn't really matter this year. The guy had like 320 fantasy points. Uh, he had seven running back one weeks. He had 11 top 24 weeks. I mean, he was just basically top 10 in just about every statistic that you want to see. Uh, and really only had a few down weeks whatsoever. Uh, and so at this point, I mean, he finished his, what, the, the running back two or three, depending on your format, like overall. And so, uh, there's really nothing to dislike with Aaron Jones. If he keeps that job, there's no, there's no way he's not a running back one again. Uh, but after that, it, it's, it enters a, a tier of, uh, guys that, at least the stigma is that they weren't always, uh, receiving backs and Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, Leonard Fournette, who just so happened to have like a hundred targets this year and disprove everybody that didn't think he was really a pass catching back. Uh, and then I do have the running back one, or I should say rookie 1.01 pick, the first overall pick. And it's going to be a running back, most likely. Whatever running back this year lands in the primo spot, uh, that's going to be the first pick to go. And he, and really, if it's in a really good spot, that running back one, you know, that 1.01 could fly higher. Um, but uh, I think that we're going to see a tier of three running backs that probably um, are pretty close to each other. But obviously, I, I put running back. Uh, I always I keep saying running back one, <laughs> pick one in a in a tier above the other two rookie picks I have in my top twenty four right now. Just because every single year there's that one player that seems to have just a little bit better opportunity. Uh, and, and maybe they separate themselves just a hair of the combine, just a hair throughout the process over the second and third. And really it takes a little bit more to trade up into that first spot. So just value wise, I felt like it needed to be in its own tier. But after that, my final tier ending up the top 24, I've got rookie pick two, rookie pick three, and just, just, I think we're on the same page, Curtis, but I've got DeAndre Swift and uh, Jonathan Taylor and Travis Etienne with these, uh, one, two, three, uh, backs that are probably going to go be drafted pretty highly and most likely. Um, I mean, we're going to break these guys down for a, for a long time here, but is that, that's your top three as well, right? Um, it is, but you kind of note, I have like a little miniature tier break and you have a tier break with your one oh one versus your one oh two and one oh three. I've kind of grouped my one oh three and one oh four together. Um, I don't know that I've made my mind up on ETN and my, my four right now is JK Dobbins. Um, and, and I kind of want to see, uh, I, you know, I'd like to see what some people that, um, are a little bit more film oriented have to say, and maybe some game charters, some things like that. I know you get into that as the the process goes on. I mean, I'm really somebody that I, I chase, draft pedigree i i chase what we know um age and athleticism uh can do for us you know we have uh, a pair of great um regression trees um for trying to use our our, our draft picks on running backs in, in the wisest way possible based on years of research here at rotoviz and so you know that largely informs my process um but yeah i could flip them right now you know i do have etn 103 just like you um but you know, I I think that that could change, and I don't know that that I it's not like a bleeding heart thing. Yeah, uh, for me, uh, yeah. and and we actually 
as of recording this podcast, ETN hasn't declared unless he has like in the last 30 minutes while we've been talking. Yeah. Um, so that, that could certainly change things. Um, if we want to play hypotheticals, if, if he didn't declare, um, you know, you said Dobbins is your four. Would he, would, would him being the one Oh three, would he still be in that top 24? Would the dynamic cause you to, to value Dobbins more highly or I think it would just because yeah. I think his implied draft capital for me, uh, my get best guess at his draft capital would be higher. I think that he would slot into one of those better opportunities that I, mm-hmm. I might've projected ETN for. So I think I wouldn't add in an extra rookie pick or take that out and keep Dobbins where he is. I think I'd just slot him up ahead of uh, the guys that round out my tier with Joe Mixon, George Kittle, Josh Jacobs, AJ Brown. Okay. Okay. Well, let, let's kind of, let's kind of sum this up with some huge takeaways uh, in the top 24 r- rookie related and on rookie uh, and non rookie related um, because we're, we're really in sync here. So the first thing I'll say is, you know, we both got six tiers in our top 24, which I think is really interesting. Um, the next thing that I would say is that we, we, agree, we largely agree on these players. I think we, th- we only differ on three of the top 24. Cause I think I've got my rookie yeah. one of four and you don't, yeah. uh, you've got Josh, J- you've basically got Josh Jacobs there. Instead of the rookie 104, that's that's swap number mm-hmm. one kind of that we've got. Uh, you've got Aaron Jones in. I do not. Uh, I have Cooper Cup in. Yeah, and he's um, kind of just on the outside looking in for me there. Yeah, and I I think th- I think those are the only differences. I'm I'm double checking. We've got our yeah. The order's uh, quite on, a bit different, but you know it's it's not too far off. Yeah, the the order's a little different. Um, but really that the tier breaks aren't dramatically aren't dramatically different. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, basically if you stood in and did a startup draft for me, I mean, I'd be fine using your big board. If we just, if we crossed Aaron Jones name off, we're, we're not quite on the same page there. I'd like him more maybe in like the, the, the late third, which means I probably wouldn't get him anywhere. I think I'm probably on that, on the lower end on Aaron Jones, but I, I mean, I'd be really comfortable using your board. I mean, we're, we're pretty much in sync here. Is my takeaway. It's a, the the names that I want to draw attention to really in tier six that I think people can can potentially leverage, even though it's with a little bit of reservation. We both have AJ Brown as a round two startup pick, yeah, number one. I, so I almost, I, I, even like before I even got to my segment where I was going to talk through, I was like, I'm going to sub, I'm going to sub somebody else in. I can't do it. <laughs> like I'm a Titans fan. Uh, like I just know too much about uh, the Titans just ruining wide receivers. But for now, we. We'll see. I mean, I, he he certainly flashed plenty. Um, just looked like an absolute beast. Maybe some shades of Andre Johnson. Uh, kind of what he reminded me of this year. Yeah. Just uh, just an absolute freak. Um, and and another another player that I think there are very mixed reviews on now. And for people who lost their league because of how bad he was at the beginning of the year. He may be a guy that's available, but we both still have Joe Mixon as a round two startup. I've actually got him at 23. You've got him at 22, uh, 21 overall. And and I want to draw attention to how strong, uh, just a couple quick things here as we close. So Joe Mixon from, from week eight on, so his final nine games. Um, he was running back eight and, and PPR points per game had eight, 
averaged 18 points a game. Um, and, and there was really not much difference between him and like the RB3 over the time period. Basically, over the last half of the season, McCaffrey continued to slay. Henry came on. They were both, you know, head and shoulders above everyone else. But Kenyon Drake was our, how crazy is that? Kenyon Drake was RB3 over the last half of the season at, and he had 19 and change, you know, so we're basically, you know, Mixon was performing in a tier, you know, with the best backs in fantasy over the last half of the year, even with, you know, the bad line and Cincy and even with the upheaval at the quarterback position and even with all the wide receiver injuries that they had. And so if you're excited about the prospects of, you know, maybe the team re-signing A.J. Green and maybe John Ross being healthy and the team adding Joe Burrow to the mix and maybe Zach Taylor can be more creative with all these assets. I mean, Mixon could be a player due for, you know, kind of a massive rebound uh, next next season. We know how good he is in the receiving game, uh, multi-talented back. So Travis and I both uh, still believing in him, kind of valuing him right in there with the top tier of rookies who are available this year. I'm going to kick it to you for any closing words on our top 24s, man. And uh, yeah, just looking forward. Oh, last thing I'll say, we're going to be doing two episodes most weeks, two episodes of the Dynasty Command Center podcast. Most weeks, we're going to commit to that shorter time frame. I think we'll close in under 40 minutes on this episode. We're going to stay right in that wheelhouse uh, moving forward. Tuesday and Thursday drops typically cut up a lot of rookies, talk a lot of startups. We are uh, just champing out the bit, ready to go for 2020. Yeah. I don't really have anything to add. I'm just, I'm just pumped about it just because there's so much to talk about with this rookie class. And uh, obviously there's still a few names that are hanging out there. We really need to hear really, really high hope. Some of these guys just choose to come out because uh, we just lost Juba Hubbard and a couple other guys that chose to stay that I'd love to see out in this class, but it's going to be a fun spring for sure. can't wait to dive into more of it. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, thanks again for joining uh, both of us again this week. This is going to be the best dynasty year of your careers, our careers, and we're going to do it together. You can find me on Twitter at CPatrickNFL, joined by Travis May. He's at FF underscore Travis M. Thanks again for joining us on the Dynasty Command Center podcast. And until next time, keep living that dynasty life.